working is for f***ing stupid idiots. And I'm not an idiot. So I don't want to work. Welcome back to Work Shorts, where we get real about our weird little marketing world and other life stuff. My name is Keith Coleman. And I'm Shimshu Spandy. He's Carl Spandy. And today's episode is all about that job offer, Carl. I like it. You know, the last time we talked, uh, it was all about how to interview. And once you interview and you get the job, it's offer time. It can be one of those situations where it can be the best because you're looking so forward to that offer. Or it can be the worst. And it's, it comes and it's, in below expectations. It's all a new year. So, right, people are ready to turn the new leaf. Uh, it's been a little while since the last one. So uh, if, if you haven't caught up on that episode, go check it out. How to Interview. It was episode four, season two. Uh, a lot of great tips do, on uh, virtual interviews. Yeah, a lot of good stuff. We got a lot of good feedback on that one as well. So people, uh, people thought it was, it was actionable. There were things that we said, Carl, yeah. which uh, isn't always the case. We shared a little bit more about what we know. Yeah, it's not much, but there's a couple nuggets in there. Before we get started, it's our favorite part of the episode where it's Keith and Carl become friends, where we ask each other one question. And since it's been so long, Carl, I feel like this is going to be extra important because we have some catching up to do. So uh, first question, Carl, hit me. Where the F were you? I mean, you were gone. You, you moved out of the state for I, I, a month? I, we might as well just hit this between the eyes. Yeah. Right? Uh, we did do a podcast for, what, four, five months? I think the last one was around Thanksgiving. Yeah, probably. And I kind of went off the grid. It is my fault. I really did disappear. Well, I mean, at the end of the year, I think a lot of people were burnt out. I was totally burnt out. Uh, and then I just decided that I needed to get the hell out of here. So get the heck out of Dodge. Took like six weeks and went to the desert. And Got myself Keith, a little tiny house in the middle of absolute nowhere and just hung out there. And by tiny house, you mean like a small cabin or? No, it was literally a tiny place. It was probably like 10 feet by, it was probably like a 10 by 10 shack or not even. A legit Tiny house. A legit tiny house. I could spin around in a circle and touch all the walls pretty much. But it was wow. great. I, I, my only neighbors were, I think I had a couple of horses, some chickens. Uh, I was on an, uh, an Airbnb where there was just two hosts. And that was it. There was no town. It was just going down a dirt road for a few miles. And I just hung out there. I just did marketing during the day. As soon as the day was done. You know, it's West Coast time, so I could get the hell out of there pretty early. Sure. Go What's out, do some the, hiking, do some running. And what was the appeal of the man, tiny house? How do you make it. that decision to say, I'm, I'm going to go to a tiny house and book it? I was, after last year, it was like, I mean, you're stuck, in, stuck inside just spinning around in circles, and I'm like, I got to get the hell out of here. I feel like you went to a place that was smaller than your current place. Which, which actually was kind of nice when I came back. I felt like I lived in a mansion. That's Perspective is everything in life. That's interesting. You know, it's like people who go to jail appreciate things a lot more when they get back out. Do you That's kind of how I felt. Like. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah, I was doing like uh, jail time. workouts in there, doing like squats off the uh, doing dips. Yeah, off the chair. I mean, even though it's tiny, it, you just need to like jar yourself out of your routine. I found I was way more efficient in a 
different place. That's interesting. Way more efficient just because things are like shaken up. Right. When you're at your house, you get into this routine and it's like, oh, I got, I can do it later. I can do it tomorrow. I'm here. I'll do it after work. But if you're somewhere different, you just want to get that done because there's other places that you want to be. I tried to bring that back with me. It didn't, it lasted like a day. And you yeah. get into those same habits. That's interesting. Dude, I, I also got to meet a lot of the locals out in uh, the middle of Arizona and Utah. I didn't get to tell you about that. Yeah. Who are the locals out there? Uh, so first thing, like COVID's not a thing out there. There are no masks. Like when I first uh, walked into my Airbnb, this woman came up and she goes, hey, just want to let you know one thing. Don't go around town wearing that chin diaper of yours. I'm like, that chin diaper? The chin diaper of yours. But when, there was one day I was, I was hanging out, getting something to eat. And this guy starts uh, just chatting me up and talked to him for like 10 minutes. And he, he looks at me and goes, you know what? You're all right. I'm like, well, thank you. And he goes, you know, if it came to it, I'd let you borrow one of my guns. <laughs> and I'm like, really? He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, you said you flew here. So one of his guns. So you don't have a gun. But uh, he goes, everyone here's got 50, 100 guns. We all got tons of them. He goes, but if you need one, you just, you look me up, I'll, I'll take care of you. I'm like, all right, I've got a gun for the next, uh, for the next four weeks. What so I had that use, locked down. What do they use all those guns for? They don't have to because they got enough. Oh, I see. There's a method to it. I, 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 I learned the whole thing, Carl. You probably scared um, COVID away. if I'm ever out there, I've got a gun hookup. You know, for a guy, guy. I, I got a guy that right? has a gun. Yeah. So if things would... went down, uh, I'd be good. I mean, guns are treasure for a lot of people. Yeah. Big time. Big time. That's and a I, big responsibility. I respect. And I felt, I, I felt the honor. I'm like, he was like, it's the equivalent of him, like inviting me in his home for dinner. Only better. Yeah. He was bestowing one of his many firearms on me. Should the. So do you want to go should shoot it, your own dinner? Should the need... No, no, no. He said, should the need arise. Uh, didn't know what that need was, but there seemed something very imminent that we were all, <laughs> we were all ready for. I feel um, like that would have been like a foreshadow in a movie. Like, Oh, totally. And then something, come a point. something happens and I go back to get the... Hey, I see him in the distance. Hey, remember me? And he goes, oh, and he throws me the gun. Yeah. And then I, don't, I don't know what else is happening, but, truck I, door but I have the gun. grabs it off the rack, throws it <laughs> yes. to you. Yeah. So I had the hookup. Should anything have uh, went down out there? Um, yeah, I was just, I, I mean, just super... You start getting mugged and you're like, just one second. <laughs> just I'll be one second. right back. Hey, Jimmy! <laughs> I need that gun right about now. No, he's the guy that robs me because he knows I don't have a gun. Yeah. <laughs> so Sucker you out, he's right? testing you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean that that's half the half the fun of traveling places just to meet meet new people and and see what the see what the locals are like. So if you want to go there or if you get caught on the road and in need of a gun, you let me know. I got a guy for you. Yeah. I have a feeling you're going to get a couple of DMs from people that are trying to escape the law. <laughs> yeah. What's the name hey, of that town? What's the, what's the name of that place? Lots of guns. Uh, borrow some. You asked me a question, I would ask you the same thing like uh, how have you been the last four or five months? Literally, we haven't had a chance to catch up. Yeah. So, like, this is the best time for us. That's kind of the only reason we have a podcast, really. And so there's, True. like, an hour dedicated time that we can uh, hang out and shoot the breeze. You know, it's been um, 
staying home with the kids and so it's it's been kind of a blessing right on the curse I think the kids got back into school um, in the last couple months here full-time again my two older ones that's been great to get them back out of the house their sports and activities started back up so it's been more social for them and and frankly for us in in a somewhat limited way Um, but it's still they're better than nothing so um, the last month month and a half has been you know, kind of nice, you know, our, our break has been getting out of the house, staying, just staying locked in has been, you know, miserable. And I, and I think my, my wife's probably the biggest saint of it all, right? I mean, she's, me being at home is like, is probably quite dif- difficult for her. You're difficult? Yeah. I mean, just like, I've got a certain way I like things done. And at the office, it's, it's easy, right? I come home. I don't see, I don't see like, you know, the cooking in the kitchen or the, the behind the scenes, right? When, when I'm at work, I come home and things are kind of great, right? That's just, Sarah kind of has her own method to, to her madness. When I'm at home and I'm seeing things and I'm, you know, dealing with the kids too, it's like, man, like this is, this is not the full-time place for me probably. You're seeing how the sausage is made. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think Sarah and I are at the point now, it's like, when do we get the, a chance to separate ourselves from the kids and from the house? So trying to find a place to go for even a short weekend to get out of work. And Are you asking me to babysit? <laughs> no. You don't think I'd be a good babysitter? I mean, I think you'd be a great babysitter for my older kids. Yeah. I think Younger you'd... kids like me too. Yeah. I mean, my kids are pretty easy. Yeah, you'd be fine. Well, let's just jump right onto the C-list. C-list, this is where Carl... Gives us a list. Starts with a C. His name is Carl. It also starts with a C. What's your list? All right, the list. What you got? So I've been thinking a lot lately, being trapped in the house and doing our day to day, and with these, you know, great stimulus packages that are nice little windfalls. Stimmies. You know, it's a great way to reinvest in yourself and maybe have one of these side hustles that'll make you filthy rich so that's the topic so dude topic this, you sound like one of those youtube infomercials that's all i've been watching top t- yeah. top five tips yeah it's for like, your side hustle i get all excited when i see a new side hustle like i'm like oh what's this one gonna be and i've seen some crazy ones but here's one that i thought is kind of a softball for us you can create a how-to podcast about how to do a podcast that's kind of genius i think so yeah this would not be it but it could be a model for you to do a better one. I think so. I mean, how-tos are in. I mean, dude, everyone's trying to learn Dude, stuff. that's the thing. Like, whatever you have on YouTube, you just put how-to in front of it. Yeah. You see the dumbest stuff. How to install my bathroom shower, right, by a guy who's probably never done it. Right. Kind of sidebar. There's this one YouTube channel that my dad watches, and this kid started it. He's got... he. I don't know if it's like his family's farm or whatever. And the premise of his podcast is he just ruins shit. Okay. Like four-wheelers, cars, tractors. He takes it and just beats the shit out of it. It's the funniest damn thing I've ever seen in my life. That's hilarious. Yeah, he'll like soup it up. and there's, But it's gotten to the point where people give him stuff for him to beat up. And he's getting millions of views. So his whole job is he just waits for people to send him stuff to destroy. And then he'll just like get it stuck in a mud bog or like, you know, pull it with another tractor or just like, you know, race something like a something stupid down the road until it burns out. That's hilarious. That's his whole job. 
Well, you know, I just said that because I want that job. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the key, right? You got to have a uh, kind of have, have to have a cool topic. Yeah, if I find the name of that, I'll put that in the show notes. All right, thanks. Yeah, another useful tip from Keith. <laughs> the other, all right, here's uh, here's uh, side hustle number two: become a crypto day trader, cryptocurrency. Dude, oh, everybody's yeah. doing it. I mean, it's so easy. You just grab one of these phone apps. They're free. Well, it's 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 easy to buy. Easy it's to easy, get yeah. rich is could be a. Yeah, well, don't uh, don't uh, kill my thunder on this one because I feel like. You're the crypto game now. Oh yeah, I gotta be. Are you for real? A little bit, a little bit. Laser eyes and everything. Like a dabble. I'm like trying, Mar- okay, I, this is way I, this way I um, envision it a little bit. Is I could go to the casino. And drop a couple hundred bucks in a slot machine trying to get rich. Or I could buy some cryptocurrencies and just hope they go to the moon and make uh, make me a couple thousand. That's different, though. When you go to the casino, you leave the casino. When you have a crypto app, you brought the casino to you. Yeah, I know. You just like awesome. keep putting money in it. Then you can watch a podcast on how to buy crypto. The next uh, side hustle, which is gaining popularity... Is becoming an Amazon reseller. It's essentially setting up a site on Amazon where you sell things that you find on the internet or on Amazon or on wholesalers. So you buy it on Amazon and then you you sell it on Amazon. So you advertise it and people place orders. Then you buy it and ship it to them. And you capture the profit, the the markup that you. Why you would they buy with. from you? Because they just do an Amazon search looking for a notebook, and you offer your notebook for nine dollars and fifteen cents, because all the competitors are at ten dollars and fifteen cents. So I buy your notebook, it's the same notebook from the same place before, and I'm willing to take a dollar profit versus they're willing to take two dollars profit, and I just ship it and send it, charge you the shipping, and get it to you fast and. But- how do they beat the margins of that's some of these big it's easy players. to right it's easy to explain like that and that's why this is one of those side hustles that you are going to get hustled if you don't do it right yeah and figure it out right cuz it seems everyone, like a race to the bottom it, it is it is but it's who makes the mo- like the decisions first like changes finds the right like niche like niche of products and keeps moving the and changing like the inventory. That seems like a lot of work, a lot of boxes, stamps. Oh, you don't ever ship it. You're just the pass-through guy. You're the middleman. You're buying it from Walmart. You find a it's an arbitrage play. You find it on sale at Walmart. You, you it send up. it to him from Walmart yes. with a Walmart sticker on it. Well, it's like you you know most like TVs don't have a Walmart sticker on it. You can buy it out of Walmart. You'd never know you get it from Walmart or Best Buy. There's a receipt. I don't know. You get you. That's that's the game. You get the re, you get the sale. You buy it, and you just tell Walmart you're, that you want them to ship it, right? So you give them the consumer your receipt for the product. Walmart sending you the receipt for buying it from them, and it goes to you. Just the shipping address is to them. So it just says it, it comes out of some warehouse in Arkansas, and the buyer doesn't care. They're just getting at the price they wanted, and you're providing that service, and you're making a margin on it. I'm writing this one down. The other thing that people are doing now for, as far as reselling is they're going into these these stores like TJ Maxx and you know some of these stores where they're trying to find discounts. 
Well, there's always a good discount at TJ Maxx. Yeah, and they'll find it, and they'll go online to Amazon, see how much it's selling for. If it's, you know, they'll scan into their barcode scanners. They scan in this barcode. If the barcode set comes up online and says it's selling for $69 and it's on sale at TJ Maxx for 39 they list it for sale, and someone buys it within minutes, and they go to the cash register, buy it, and they sell it. They ship it. Freaking insane. Um, this other one here, uh, another awesome side hustle that I'm thinking about getting into is designing some of Carl's art and putting it on an NFT. You're an artist? No, but I, all my art is original. And, I uh, can't argue with that. Put it in a, and be an NFT seller and dealer. Yeah. You see that, uh, what, it, Jack Dorsey's first tweet? Mm-mm. How much he sold that for? No. That was a ridiculous amount of money. It was just a picture like of his first tweet, and he sold it. But it was funny because people were taking pictures of that picture and, and then selling that. Like a picture of a picture of a picture of an, a picture yeah. of an NFT. For those of you that don't know what an NFT is, it's a non-fungible token. I actually think it's a made-up word. But essentially, it's a, it's a, a, a piece of data, right? It's, it's something that's, um, it's, it's basically, it's, a, it's, a, it's an art. Let's say you design something like a picture. Um, and you, you assign it this, this number, this unique code. And no other picture in the world can have this unique code. So we know, everyone knows that it's an original. And then you can sell it. So an original Spandy. It. An original Spandy, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So there's never, um, so, I mean, essentially everything's pretty much, um, you know, original and is verified, right? You, you, would, you never have to question the authenticity of something like this, um, which is helpful in like digital art. But it's just interesting, right? It, it lives in the digital space. It can, it's not like you go and hang a painting on the wall, um, but you do own it. You can license it, I'm sure, sell your rights to it. You can probably do whatever you want with it. Um, but it's, uh, it's really you're owning a, a piece of data. But you still have to do the art, right? Like people are selling pictures or, or paintings or, yeah, or NFT film. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's the thing doesn't change. What's funny is people are paying up because it's it's really just like a certificate of authenticity that you're paying for. Right. You're paying for a one of a kind. And that's an original spandy. I think it's crazy. But good for them. NFTs. But you can invest in NFTs. And in uh companies that um help facilitate the transaction and viewing of certain NFTs. So crypto game. Shout out number two, you can buy some so, more digital. Tokens. So there's companies that, what is it, like a plugin that you need to view your NFT? Well, think about it. If you have like brands, like Marvel Comics can create these NFTs and put them on an online marketplace, you can buy them, I can buy them, and then what? Like, what do we do with it? Well, why not have a gallery that you can create? If I had you know, eight of these things, I could have my own gallery and people can and come see. you could have wine pairings and cheese. Or you can leave them out there and people Fancy can see Fancy people. Yeah. Maybe people would want to pay to see your original, you know, Spandy. A virtual gallery of Spandies. Yeah. All the different Carls. You know what I should do is create an A NFT. Hot Carl. <laughs> yeah. An NFT site with only images of Carls. Yeah. Somebody would buy it. Someone would buy it. 
Yeah. I mean, this is kind of ridiculous, but some guy made an NFT of his fart. <laughs> did you no. Did you hear about that? He sold it for 85 bucks. Oh, do you think he was using one of these road mics or what? <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was absolutely hilarious. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He's like, it's so ridiculous. He goes, people were buying farts. I felt like I could sell my fart. Yeah, it was like $85. And the That's NFT crazy. is like this little thumbnail, and you click it, and it just sounds like it's far. Oh, my gosh. Like, you literally could bottle your farts and sell them. Yeah. Do you know, I was thinking about... So much money lost. I mean, I'm curious about, like, the regulations on this, right? So let's say you, you know, took a picture of someone that was in a compromising situation, and you had it made into an NFT. For life. Right. Yeah. So now cemented it's, in stone. Yeah. But like, how would you not? I mean, there's so much, I feel like, potential blackmail implica- implications there. Yeah. I mean, you can't just, I don't know. I feel like you can't just delete that stuff. Can you? I don't know. I think it lives. I don't think so. Cause I think it's, it's I think it's, it's a block in the chain. Yeah. It's decentralized. So like everyone can get access to it and the records of it. And, and but the you own the key. Yeah. You own the key. So maybe you, you could take it off the chain and put it in a wallet where no one has access to it. I suppose that's what you would have to do. Put your picture in your wallet? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We're going down a weird turn. I have no idea. All right. Lastly, when I think about side hustles, this is the one that pops up all the time on TikTok and, um, you know, these young, these young kids are getting all up into this rage. It's called affiliate, uh, affiliate marketing. What the hell is that? That's what we need to be doing. It's like an Amway? That's what we need to be doing on our website, keithandcarl.com. Essentially... Sounds like work, too. You're you're driving people, creating traffic, driving people to um, another website to purchase products. So basically, those ads that you see in every website, that if you click on, you go to that site to buy that pair of shoes. So you are digital clutter. Yes. Yes. And so, right, so like... What people do and what they have been doing for a while, they have a website like ours, keithandcarl.com, and you just start blogging, right? So say you try to find something that's relevant, like how cool Carl's are. And people are like, oh, and get so they- that new Carl. Yeah, let's, get, let's go check out the new Carl. And, and so people just keep coming to, to the site, and then they just start, you know, you just start feeding them ads, you know, feed them ads, like left and right, the banners and stuff. And you sign up for these, you know, Google marketing and become an affiliate marketer and- you just start getting clicks and driving people. And then once the company, you know, that clicks over there realizes and verifies that they came to you through their link, you know, you're part of their affiliate program and they send you a commission check and people just, you know, they, they try to get scale the best programs and then the best products and then trying to, to, to find ways to build content, which is why, you know, people that, or YouTubers or bloggers or this is like how they also generate revenue is through this affiliate marketing. Um, but then there's people that do it that just based on scale. Like they'll have a website or a blog um, and, you know, lace everything with these links and, you know, they'll just do multiple blogs, right, or multiple websites or, you know, multiple different uh, YouTube channels and things that just kind of compound like this whole universe that they're creating of just links. So like people like – just happen to click on this stuff and buy stuff. And I don't know, it gets kind of crazy. It sounds greasy. I mean, I'd probably still do it if I can make some money on it, but 
I, don't know, I feel like you just but came the up real with real money or the real money I would say in nearly everything on here. And we made the joke about the high to the how to right yeah. in, in the very first one. But that's where the money is. And that's where people have been making money in these spaces. It is. Is for seven ninety nine a month. I'll I'll give you my tips and, and how to do affiliate marketing. Yeah. Exactly. And then they're running affiliate marketing, but they're getting, you know, passive income people that are trying to be members, subscribing, buying their program. That's where the money is. Yeah. And that's, you know, so I think that's kind of funny um, that it's really not about actually affiliate marketing. It's trying to teach people how to be affiliate marketers and get enough people to like build, buy into your kind of pyramid scheme. Of, totally. Of a, you know, and then you, you say, hey, use this link. Then you would take my link and use it and somehow create another link. So it would almost be like a trickle-down effect of, of money, right? It I'd, totally is a pyramid scheme. Yeah, I'd get a percentage, you get a percentage. And, and you get three friends, and they get three friends, <laughs> and they get three friends. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Well, now it's time for a brief word from our sponsor. Hey, Keith. You know, if you're like me, you just have too much meat. And I'm here to tell you, don't be ashamed of it. Having too much meat can cause a variety of problems, discoloration, foul smells, and if left unintended, and I know you know this, Keith, it can get just downright crusty. Yuck, crusty meat. But don't fear, there is a solution. Grab a hold of your dirty old meat and visit meatdump.org. Let meatdump.org guide you to the promised land. At meatdump.org, you can find the nearest meat recycling receptacle. Grab your wieners, your brats, your hot hamburger patties, and all other rotten meat and recycle it today. This meat dump, people, will serve you your dirty and rotten old meat and make it new again like a young bucking bronco. I'll tell you, here at uh, Work Shorts, we are definitely all about sustainability. And just think that your next sloppy joe could contain... Meat Dump Meat. So visit meatdump.org today. Thanks, Carl. What's the name of that website again? Meatdump.org. We thank all of our sponsors. Appreciate all of your support. And if you'd like to support us as well, visit our Patreon site, Keith and Carl at Patreon. All right, Carl, let's get into the work short topic of the day. Let's do it. You know, it's been a while since we've had a podcast, but this is technically the first one of 2021. It's March. It's a new year. Everyone's looking to do something different. Buying a new house, getting into a new hobby, getting a new job. And the last podcast we had was all about how to interview. Tips on how to interview, what to do, what not to do. So in today's work short topic, want to take that next step. So you have that interview. You nail it. Killed it. You come home. You're telling all your buddies, I got the job. Finally, you get that call. You get the offer. What are the things that are going through your mind? And now what? This can be, like, like we said earlier, this can be a moment of jubilation or one of those, oh, shit. You know, there's two sides to this coin, right? I mean, we've both given offers to people. And as a manager, right, you feel a little vulnerable putting something out there written up by yourself or by HR, um, not knowing how the person's going to respond. But I think we've got some, some tips here on, on what to do, right? I mean... What's your first thought? It's funny because you got what you wanted, but you're not sure what to do now. Right. It's kind of like the dating world. You wanted something, and now you got it, 
And that's the moment of truth. Do you go, oh shit. Well, I liked, I liked the idea of that job more than I actually want the opportunity to be with that job forever, right? That's a great point. You know, maybe it's the allure of the money, the, the position, the place, but then it comes down to like, this is going to be your life. Do you want it? Or is it something you've always wanted? You get so excited that you think you're going to blow it right away. Right. Before you even get started, you got to have a thought process. Absolutely. To go into. You have to have a framework to say, Here's how I'm going to walk through this problem. Yep. I think the first step, right, is just like in the dating world, you got to play it cool. Poker face it. You got to cool voice it like, you know, Morgan Freeman. Define playing cool. What does that mean? The first step is you got to be be grateful. Yeah, authentically grateful. Thank, thank yep. you. Thank you. Absolutely. But then, just like the dating world, you have to let them know that you have other options. And you're going to consider those. And you could, should consider the fact that I am considering my options. When you hang up the phone, they should go, I have to do more. The, the hiring manager or HR who's ever presenting the offer to you want you to commit verbally um, right then and there on the spot. Always. Right? They're going to ask you, so, you know, is this, can we seal this up? Is this a go? Um, you know, do you, is it time to sign? Like all this stuff, they're gonna have those drop those hints and those 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 clues that they're gonna they want to, to wrap this up, right? Because they're trying to make a deal. They're trying to do the what's in the best interest of the company, and and I guarantee you, it's not. The scale is never perfectly even, um, without maybe a little bit of of negotiation. And the other thing to consider too, that while this is like a special moment in your day and a big moment in your life where you're negotiating with them, this is another task in their inbox. This is what they do Great all point. day. And they're going from you to the next. So it's, I just need to get through my work day and me getting a yes from you gets me to the next one. Absolutely. So you're part of that goal. They don't want to string this out as some sort of beautiful relationship. Just like you would in a, in a date, step two, hang up. Get off the phone. Say thank you. I'm really looking forward to thinking about this opportunity in um, a little bit more detail. I want, to, you know, I want to take some time for myself to maybe check in with a spouse or a significant other. Just make sure that you know, as, you, as I'm thinking through this, I'm, I'm making all the right decisions with everything else that's going on right now and in this process for me. And just say, hey, I'll be in touch. It's like, a, it's like selling. If you get a yes, you just stop talking. And you leave. You got the job. Say the minimal thing yep. that's required, and then just get out of there because you're going to do a couple things. You're going to give them too much information, or you're going to make them regret hiring you. And if it's the second one where they think, "Well, maybe this person isn't as smart as I thought they were," right? You just gave some money on the on the negotiating table. Yep, absolutely. Be grateful. Stop talking. Stop talking. All right. So now you bought yourself some time. How much time, Keith? Is a good amount of time before you call back. I mean. I don't even know if this applies anymore, but wasn't there the uh, like three day rule before you're supposed to call someone back? Like you get someone's number, they know, show they show interest. So that, you're the jackass, probably. I don't know. Like the, you know, all the girls, uh, you know, thought that you're gonna call and you never called for three days. And hey, well, it's, it's yeah, key. it was more than three days. Yeah. But it's like, hey, let me get back from this tiny house and I'll call you back. <laughs> does that does that even apply anymore? No. It, with it as fast as communication is? No. Everything is so instant gratification right now. Yeah. 
Right. I mean, everything is. So it's... Yeah, they get a yes. They're, they're sending pictures. Yeah. That was kind of the allure of the little cat and mouse and not having that cell phone there either. Like somebody had to call your house. You had to call their house. Or even your college. You're, leave a message in their college phone voicemail. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, like mean, a whole, it's, it's like a whole game. Yeah. I mean, when we were starting to date, <clears throat> yeah, you had to call like the house phones. Maybe they had a cell phone or a pager. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't that easy to really get, in hold, get a hold of people. Leaving messages with roommates. But you don't call exactly. back the next day. So I don't know. Three days, probably too long in today's, in today's world. It depends, right? I think you can strategically think about that, right? If you come back after a day... I think you can take maybe a little bit more aggressive approach, right? It's, you know, hey, like, I've, I've really been thinking about this. It's been on my mind. I want to get back to you soon, right? You're showing some initiative that you're not going to let this drag out. If you let it go three days, like, hey, like, I just really needed a few days because this wasn't quite where I was at, right? So it kind of depends on how close, how far away you are with the numbers and um, yeah. the negotiation and the tactic that you want to take. In my mind, too, if you come back soon, it might show some urgency that you have something else on the on the hook too. Like if yeah. you come back the other day, it's like, hey, here's the deal. This I need to know this. Yeah. Because and to show to let them know that things are going to happen fast. Yeah. And I would say too, one piece of advice is don't say you have an offer if you don't. Because I mean, people then will say, Well, they're fine. We can say no deal again because they have the right the company has the right to say, all right, you know what? This if this isn't a fit, we've got other candidates. And they can just drop you. They can let you go. Because you said you had another offer. Unless, I like the, the big caveat for this, though, is in the, I think this is like the best position to be in. Like if you already have a job and you're looking for a job outside of your company, I feel like you could be very aggressive with that because you already have a job. Absolutely. And you could almost go fishing. Absolutely. Like if it's not something that's ridiculous, then forget it. For sure. Right. That's you have now you have the power, right? At least the power of refusal because you already have a job, right? Without, without, consequence so yeah i mean that's that's kind of the and i think it's i mean if you're internal as well if you don't get back to someone for three days i don't know i think that's i think that's probably a little much i agree yeah if it's an internal job that you're contemplating getting i would say try to get back the next day if you can yeah yeah i agree or maybe it happens on the on a thursday or friday which would then be ideal right so you can take the weekend yeah to think about it but let's say, okay, during that period of time, let's say you have a day. Let's say you have, you know, two days. What is it that you're trying to accomplish during that time? So we don't want to just sit there idly and just be like, ha, like I'm going to just, you know, hang out for two days and just be like, yep, uh, nope, uh, I'd like to make more money. There's, there's a process within that, the, that time period. What are we trying to do there? I think the first thing you're doing is, is just trying to take inventory. What are you willing to do? What is the worst case? What are you? What are you willing? To, are you willing to walk out? Because if that's no, and you definitely are taking the job, then you have to approach that differently. Absolutely. Like there are certain things that you can ask for, and certain things that you would not ask for. Because if you ask for thirty percent more, and you kind of come off ridiculous, and they say no, we're going to give you five percent more. Well, now you're in a spot. If you went in so high out of touch they're not even going to counter offer no because they realize that you don't that either that you value yourself way out of this pay range or you don't have like a rational and reasonable sense of what actually this job yeah. should entail so if you're at 30 percent higher 
they could just say no like you're not even close like we're just we're not seeing eye to eye here right and then that could be done negotiation could be over yeah um so you definitely have to do your research you have to understand kind of the market conditions if you are moving to a different industry or a different job um, there's resources out there websites where you can get a good you know glimpse into you know potential salaries that you know ex employees or current employees put on online. Where, where, where do you go? Uh, one that I know is pretty useful is Glassdoor.com. I've but don't you have one. to have a premium? I don't to think actually s- see anything. No, what you have to do is you have to sign up and be willing to submit your pay. That's it. Anonymously, yeah. Add to the data set. I think so. I think so. I could be wrong. That's I, a fair trade. I think so. Yeah, that's one thing that you know corporations really have a hold over us, right? Is pay transparency they thrive on not only no one knowing but the social norms that create the condition for us not to share not to talk i mean people don't ask each other how much they make and all it does is hurt everybody so here's an interesting i brought this up to a friend of mine and he works for the government you can there are basically pay levels or pay grades in some of the government jobs so you know as a manager what the, the range is. They're pretty tight bands, right? I mean, like, I don't know, between five and 10,000. So everyone that has that E, like, maybe it's like a E1, E2, E3, whatever that band is that you're in, you can just look up online and you can see how much they're making. Public see, knowledge. It's public, nice. public knowledge because yeah. it's the government, right? So it's public. There's no negotiation, really, because you know. So it's like, it's like a catch-22. It's like, if I know what the bands are, then I know I'm only going to get that. Well, that's government. Right? So... But I know, but it's like, if that were to be the case, would public institutions do something very similar to like counteract? Because it would cap it? Yeah. But I think there's so many people that are under that the the people who would be lifted up would cost more than the people that they're overpaying. The smartest thing that I did so far with regarding the pay in my career was I made a friend at one of my companies and we shared openly what we made. The, what our signing bonus was, what our pay level was, like pay grade level, and what our salary was. Through that process, I found out that this person got a, a, a bonus, a signing bonus. I didn't. I was just coming into corporate America. I had no idea what I was doing. They were a whole level above me. We had the same job, but there was two pay levels for the same job, an 11 and a 12. They came in as a 12. I came in as 11. So they got a signing bonus. They got a level above me which was one more step closer to a promotion because then I had to go to a 12 the next time I got promoted and then to a 13 and 13 was the next level. And they made, they negotiated like $12,000 more than me. Oh, for your first job, that's a ton. And it opened my eyes to negotiation. You know, that person was coming from a, a, a company. They already had a job. So they were being kind of pulled from another company. I didn't have a job. The, the you know, the, the recruiter knew that. I hadn't been in corporate America. I had been doing my own, you know, entrepreneurship kind of deal. You know, the hiring manager knew that, knew that they could kind of say, well, you haven't had experience here. So they knew that I didn't know how to negotiate for a job. They knew yeah. I didn't know how to negotiate for a, like a, a bonus, a hiring, you know, a hiring bonus. So, so I guess that would be my recommendation, right? If, if you can make a friend, a close friend, and as you start to find these different milestones and get these different offers, um, you know, how can you be transparent with each other? you know, just to, to figure it out, to figure out careers and like best, like where you even think the value should be. Um, I think that that's helpful. Another, uh, you know, good opportunity too, is if you're getting hired internally to a job, 
you know, do you have a friend that used to work at that company in that similar job that you're going to move to that now left the company? Because then there's no competition there, yeah. right? There's no, can you reach out to them and say, hey, what range were you in when you got promoted or when you were at this role in this job? Can you just help me? I'm just working through my negotiation process here in a day. Maybe they'd be willing to share something with you. They didn't, you didn't know. Because um, I think if you found out that someone that left was making 30000 20000 more than what their offer, in it, offer is, there's something to probably be talking about. Yeah. Right, with HR. So, I mean, and there would be an art to that conversation. But, it, you know, it's, I think it would be worth it. I don't or know. just ask your manager how much you make. Yeah. <clears throat> it is kind of weird. I, I, I'd like us to get past that. I mean, that being said, if people came up to me and said, Hey, what do you make? It's just like it, it, it's you have this visceral reaction. We're like, no, yeah. no, like we shouldn't do that. Yeah. But if we did, we'd all probably do better. I think, yeah, I think it's there's a fear that everyone is like, you're afraid of finding out that you're making less. Oh, totally. Yeah. And you know, it's never going to be equal. Mm-hmm. Right. Just so someone like you almost will never run into someone in your same job that's making the exact same money that you are. Yeah. Just not, it's just not the way it works. Okay. So, we want to do some market evaluation during this period of time so you can understand what the market value is for your job. We want to do some self-reflection, check the inventory. What is it that you truly want out of this? Are you okay with what? I mean, frankly, looking at the offer, like, are you okay if they said no? Like, we're not going to negotiate. Yeah. You could be very okay with it, but you still, I would say, want to negotiate. That might be your dream salary, but still, why not get a couple extra thousand? Because that sets you up. For years and years to come, right, the next merit increase you get for good performance will be based on that starting pay, right? It might be only a couple hundred bucks here or there, but it's going to add up, right? Time value of money, just that's part of the theory, right? Try to get as much up front as you can. You could buy a couple more Bitcoins every pay period. Oh, yeah, you could. So you've done some reflection. You're calling it back, and now it's the time for um, the next part, right? You call back the recruiter. You call back the hiring manager, and it's the negotiation, how does that conversation go? I mean, going into that conversation, you have to have like an if-then analysis done. If they say this, then my answers are A or B. Your answers shouldn't be shouldn't be off the cuff necessarily. Absolutely not. You want to demonstrate what you've been doing for the last couple of days, right? That you've been thinking about this. You mean not just hanging out over the weekend? Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, just it, hoping it works. It's it's like, hey, like I've done some research, and I've noticed that the you know the market value for this position is tends to be in this range. I talked to a friend that's at a similar company in in this industry, and they're also in, in this range. And I've noticed that this offer is you know about fifteen percent of the value of the market value that I've been finding based on my research. You know, could we potentially work together to find a way to get us back up to get this offer up to? 15% more. What do you think about that? And ask them an open-ended question. Don't say, hey, I want this offer. Like, well, I want it to be 75000 Can you do 75000 You either say yes or no. <laughs> yeah. Right? Try to pose like a question where they actually have to articulate their rationale back to you. Yeah. Because when they start doing that, then you start learning things. You'll find, at least in my experience, that there is a certain level of leeway that the people that you're talking with typically have an example of that could be they might not give you anything additional on salary but they'll say you know what because you asked we actually allowed to give you an extra five thousand dollars in your signing bonus and you just because you brought it up right you get 
$5,000 extra dollars in your pocket. Right? That's 5000 you didn't have, but because you thought about it and you asked for it, you got it. And sometimes that's all it is, is the person has to ask. But the, the other thing to that is, anytime they offer one of those little carrots, your reaction is yes, because all you wanted is something, and they gave you that something, and you want to say yes. You don't have to say yes to that. It's a great point. All it is is inf- they just gave you information. They gave you information that there's something to be given. You could take that information, place a value on it, and see where else that value can be added to. It's all just data points. That's all negotiations are. Like when they when they teach you negotiating, you're just you're just collecting collecting data. And the yeah. more that they're willing to give you, without you committing to anything, that's what gives you a little bit of an edge. Well, that's a great point. I mean. So that brings up a little bit of a conversation on, on value, right? So there's monetary value, there's benefits, there's profit sharing type things, uh, stock options, there's value in being able to work from a tiny house yeah. for six weeks Absolutely. every year, right? So, you know, some of those things you can also negotiate. If it's not about comp, and they say we can't do comp, people often throw in an extra week or two of vacation time. And Although that, I do feel like the vacation one is a little bit of a dude, an I hate empty that one. I never, I never negotiate vacation. Because, I think it's worthless. Yeah. I mean, in today's world, if you're feeling sick, you stay home. If you're in corporate America, like they're not keeping track of you by a time slip. They're keeping track of the the work that you get done. If you're negotiating vacation days and you're in somewhat like in a you know a professional setting, if you're hourly, maybe it makes sense. If you're salaried. I don't think it's worth it. Okay, so you're in this negotiation. How do you know, you know, when to say yes or when to say no? Well, I think there's only so many times you can go back and forth. I agree. I feel like it's really you lay out what you believe is the best for you, right? And if they can't, if they say no, no, you ask them to say, listen, like, would you mind taking some time, maybe talk it over with your boss? And that's, to me, the probably like the last, you know, you let them go back. If it's that, if it comes down to it and negotiate with the people that they work with and then come back to you after a, a day or two and see how that unfolds. Yeah. You because know? it, I, and I think it starts with, if you lay out what a vision of good is for you, I mean, people can get a sense of, that's why you just lay out more than the money. Like, what are you looking for in a place to work? Right. Like the, the people, this is what I want my lifestyle to be like. So the whole thing, so you can understand where the levers are to, to meet that. Right. So, and if, if it doesn't meet that, then you can just play that back to them. Like, here's what I stated, came in here, stated my vision of good was. Here's what your vision is. They don't match up. Or is it, you know what? You're close enough to this. I, let's, let's do this. Yeah. Right. And that's where you can like pull back. Is this a good decision for my life? So like, if it's truly all about salary, which it might be, and there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. And it's not just the salary, but is this person respect you? Are, are you walking into a place with that salary that's setting you up for success? Right. Or maybe you're coming into a place where it's less, but you know the opportunity has been articulated that you're going to move up. You have to be careful with that one because that gets into the idea of promises. I can't today, but... You know, we'll revisit this next year. Yeah, take this job and, and we'll, we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, give we'll you a bump talk. on your merit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, we'll yeah. Get up to you. Don't fall for that. Yeah, because then a pandemic hits. Don't fall for that. And then no one's getting merit. Yeah, There's, that's not screen. written in stone. Yeah. And, and I'd also say that keep in mind, like if you're an internal candidate and the hiring manager is, is bringing you an offer, 
there's maybe a little back and forth between the hiring manager and HR, but it's it's frankly more of an HR kind of driven show, right? And so it's trying to work with that manager to figure out what's the best course of action if you're truly not happy with the offer. There was one time uh, in one of my roles where I wasn't happy and I went to my boss and my boss went to her boss and they went to HR and they got they got it corrected because it wasn't it wasn't even close to what I was expecting to from a promotion and the amount of responsibility that I was jumping up to. The rational people took a look at it and agreed. You kind of have to take the the take the personal feelings out of it, right? It's not the boss, hiring manager. It's not necessarily 100% their decision, what they're trying to pay you. It's, it's a company deal. It could be driven by company policies. It could be driven by where you're at today in the market. You may, you may have come in at a very high end of the pay grade or market value when you started. And you're just not going to get these huge bump ups, like maybe something that came in on the very, very low end, if the company's trying to kind of find a, a, a nice middle ground, right? Um, they're trying to make up to one person. They're trying to kind of hold you within the range uh, on the other end. So there's a lot going on um, in that. But I like what you said, Keith. I like it's it's not always about the comp, right? It's about other things, external factors um, that also add value, make you happy. Location is a great one. I think about that all the time, right? So um, no, that's good. That's good. Any other tips? Let's recap it real quick. So right, first one, we want to get that offer, play it cool. Play it cool, man. Play cool, just like you're on a date, right? Play yeah, cool. Take a chill. Johnny, chill. Yep. Keep the conversation short. Hang up. Thank them. Be grateful. Be authentic in that gratuity, and, but hang up. Get off the call. Don't commit, right? The only thing that you should be committing to is that you'll be back in touch within a day or two, right? Um, take that time when you, you know, to think, to research, find out the values so you come educated, the market value of that position so you come educated, Take some personal inventory and what makes you happy. What do you value? Is it only about comp? Is it about lifestyle? Is it about the hours you're going to be working? What would it provide for benefits if you've got a family? So take a, an inventory list of all that. And then get back and have a, you know, have a, a good conversation. Stay armed with that information during the, the negotiation. Um, and don't be afraid to ask, right? Make a reasonable ask. And get some information. Op- ask open-ended questions. Try to try to get some information from the, the recruiter, the hiring manager. Negotiate, and uh, you know, at some point you got to say yes or no. After you go through the negotiation, you uh, you say yeah, I do. Just like you when you get married, right? You have a little bit of negotiation period. Yeah, uh, a little bit of a courtship. Um, and so at some point you got to say I do or I don't. So beautifully said. Let's leave it right there. Have any comments, tips for us? Hit us up on all the socials, keithandcarl.com, Instagram at WorkShorts Podcast, Facebook at WorkShorts, and hit us up on our YouTube channel, Keith and Carl. See you next time. All right, see ya. Thumbs up to that mother. <laughs> <laughs>